musical makes me feel like I'm a part of something bigger. My favorite business show. Hands down, the best B2B sales and marketing podcast. The ultimate resource for salespeople. George makes me want to conquer local. An authentic entertainer. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Here's George Leaf. Welcome to this edition of the Conquer Local podcast. Well, startups, what an incredible journey that can be for somebody if you're going to start a business. And also what an awful journey that can be. So the startup world is either amazing and we hear a great success story, or unfortunately, sometimes with startups, there's a crash and burn. Um, I wanted to bring in who I consider to be an entrepreneurial expert and a startup expert. And I didn't have to look very far. I could go right within our local circle here of the prairies in Canada. Let me read a couple of headlines from some of our news organizations over the last few months. Can digital only Neo successfully challenge Canada's big five banking establishment. That was in the Toronto Star uh, just a couple of days ago. Here's another one. Neo Financial teams up with uh, a company to build a high interest savings account. Um, Hudson's Bay, one of the most iconic brands in the Canadian market and actually a global brand, teams up with Neo Financial to offer new Hudson's Bay MasterCard. We're going to talk to Jeff Adamson. He is one of the founders behind a brand called Skip the Dishes and a brand called Neo Financial. He is at the heart of these headlines that are being put into some of the top news organizations out there today. We're going to talk to Jeff about his journey on the startup road of two of these brands when we return on the Conquer Local podcast. Jeff Adamson, the co-founder and chief merchant officer at Neo Financial. Jeff, good to see you again. Thanks for joining us on the show. Good to see you too, George. Thanks for having me. You know, we're, we're excited to have this, this discussion, but I, I think we need to tell the story. Well, we, we need to get you to tell the story because it's a hell of a story. Um, you know, Skip the Dishes is, is, a, is a juggernaut in the Canadian marketplace. I can't watch... NHL hockey without seeing ads for it. It's got to be pretty cool to see what's happened to that brand that you guys created. So why, why don't we go back to that beginnings and then, and then we'll talk about what you're doing with Neo Financial, which is uh, very cool as well. But let's talk about Skip the Dishes and how this all came about. It, it, you know, as one of the co-founders of this company, I'd love to hear that story. Sure. And I get maybe to start, George, like, I, you know, we tell the, the Skip origin stories quite a bit, but at the end of the day, we had a massive, um, talented team that that built the whole thing. So, um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll tell the story, but I just want to make sure that that any of the listeners know that it was a it was a definitely a community and a team effort. Um, so we we co-founded Skip in in 2012, and it was actually uh, my co-founder Josh Samara was overseas in in London, and he was working as an investment banker there. I was actually. Uh, competing on the national team um, uh, with Team Canada Wrestling. Uh, and then Josh's brother was actually working for a, a company based out of Saskatoon called uh, Cameco. And and Josh had actually seen kind of the rise of these digital marketplaces, the rise of on-demand services. 
And, you know, he looked back in Canada and it just seemed like Canada hadn't quite adopted them uh, at the same rate that the rest of the globe was. You know, if you look at San Francisco, if you look at London or Boston, New York, you know, you could get kind of on-demand everything. And this is in, even in 2012, you could get, you know, on-demand dog walking, dry cleaning, delivery, Uber, um, all these things. And then yet back in Canada, they, they really wasn't there yet. And so we were kind of, we were concerned, I think, because we thought, well, listen, if we don't do something or if someone in Canada doesn't do something, eventually these companies are just going to come to Canada. It's going to be like the same old story of a big multinational company coming to Canada and kind of taking all the market share. And then we're just kind of this kind of colony or outpost for these big multinational digital companies. I mean, that still happens today. Right. Because Canada doesn't really build a lot of consumer brands, period. Yeah, you know, aside from, I think yeah. that that was, that was, you know, well-founded insights that you were bringing. It's like, you know, we, we need to take a look at this. So it's interesting to hear that part of the story. Well, and it, it's, I mean, there's, there's so many things that are really easy in hindsight that you kind of see the gap. But at the time, I mean, it was talking about, I remember sitting down with my mom and telling her I was going to quit my job and, and do a food delivery startup. She was just like, her jaw hit the floor. <laughs> like she was just right. like. Because the idea at the time, it, this is in 2012, the idea was like food delivery was pizza and Chinese food. It wasn't what it was or what it is now. Um, so so we really kind of set out, um, you know, we had a, a small team in the beginning. It was kind of Josh, Chris and I, and then uh, Andrew and then another um, brother of Josh and Chris's Dan Samara had joined a little bit later on. Uh, and we we started up literally just like a very the primitive version of the website. It was like it was like a, a screenshot. We'd go around to restaurants showing them an iPad, and if they actually tried to like touch a button on the screen, it would like swipe over to like a picture of our our dog or something. So we like couldn't couldn't let them touch the the iPad when we were demoing it. Um, but we launched in Saskatoon. That was our first city. You know, I I remember when you came to present to uh, our team. Um, at a Friday Ideas on Tap to explain this thing that you guys were starting. And um, I was actually around, which is weird because usually I was on the road, but I remember that presentation and I remember thinking, that's pretty damn cool. I'd like to skip the dishes. <laughs> you know, like I don't like dishes. I like eating, but I don't like skip. I like, don't like dishes. So that was pretty cool. Um, I remember when we were prepping for the episode and you and I've talked a number of times for the last few months because you're, you're embarking on another journey. You talk about, and, and I love this this part of the story because I think, you know, the, the fact that this was a, a digital startup and you guys did really well and, and it, you know, it gained a lot of national news and, you know, it's a great story. But it, you were telling us the story about living in your car. And when we think about startups, you think about the sacrifices that people need to make to get a business rolling. I'd love for you to tell that story. Yeah. So I think that it's important to start with kind of the reason why we actually decided to, you know, quit our day jobs and, and do this. And, you know, I had spent the better part of a decade on the Canadian national wrestling team. And I was kind of looking at what am I going to do in the next phase of my life? And then the idea of going and kind of working a corporate job uh, and then kind of following the same path of, as my parents did, they had the same jobs for 30, 35 years. That was terrifying to me because I, I couldn't imagine anything that I liked doing um, for even, you know, five years, let alone 35. Um, and so this idea of, of building something that has at least a slim shot at impacting the lives of millions of Canadians, that to me kind of like succeed or fail was something that I thought was worth doing. 
And I think that um, you know people will look at Skip, and, and now people look at, at Neo Financial, and they think that it's kind of just like comes out of nowhere, or kind of like all of a sudden you see it everywhere. Um, but what they don't understand is the like dozens of people who were kind of grinding away in the early days. And the, the story you're talking about is in the early days when we were launching uh, Skip. You know, we had no money, we had no investors, we had a barely operating website, we had restaurant owners saying this is never going to work like ever and like looking you straight in the eyes and like not blinking. Um, and so you kind of have to just figure out a way to, to, to make it happen. And for me, like I had spent almost my whole life as an athlete and I would travel all around the world to some pretty, like wrestling is not like a, a glamor sport. It's not like you're getting paid millions of dollars or, you know, you're getting all the fans and, you know, all the sponsorship, I would be traveling in like these really remote places, like really like the mountains of like the Caucasus near Russia. And um, I would be going to like the, the, you know, the remote parts of China uh, and I would sleep on the floor. Sometimes I would sleep, you know, like on, in like the closets, you know, your meals are kind of sporadic. The training is super difficult. So when it came down to like trying to figure out how do we get this business off the ground and how do we like scale it? It's like, well, hotels are super expensive. Like that's a hundred bucks or 200 bucks that I probably could spend on buying tablets for restaurants or putting gas in my car. And so sometimes if, if I was kind of driving through town, cause I would drive from city to city and launching the initial cities with skip, I would just be like, Hey, see if I can find a buddy's couch. I can, I can sleep on. If I couldn't, they would just crash in the car. Um, and then, so then when I kind of graduated from crashing in the car, you know, I get to a couch sometimes, but then um, I remember the first place we rented, it was like our first kind of rental for, for uh, Skip. I was actually sleeping in the furnace room, which also happened to be the kitchen of a basement suite in, in kind of northern Calgary. And that, that was kind of like actually pretty good at that point. I was actually, that was comfortable. <laughs> but it, it didn't really matter to me because I, I was so used to just the, the grind from my athletic career. You know, the, the passion around solving this challenge, you know, is the thing that comes to my mind. Like you, you're very, you're a very passionate individual and you, and you recognize there was an issue here that you wanted to solve and, um, you know, and willing to make that sacrifice, I think is an interesting story. So let's, let's fast forward. We got skip the dishes, multi-billion dollar brand, the exit. Can we talk about that briefly? You got bought by, uh, just eat. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, publicly listed company in the UK they were kind of like the the global pioneers in in online ordering for restaurants and i and i wonder if it was was that what your co-founder looked at when when he was in england in the first place was that the platform that kind of we should start this in canada and then you end up being acquired by that organization does that story come together that way it, it is kind of an interesting story because like josh did he was a user of of just eat while he was in the UK but like they had such a head start on everyone globally. Uh, and then Uber got in and DoorDash, you know, they raised, you know, 10, 20 billion dollars in capital. Um, and so we were the Saskatoon startup that, you know, had basically our credit cards was our investment that we were making. And uh, sure. Yeah. So it's kind of like a going full circle where you've got Josh having ordered in, uh, you know, off of Just Eat in London, uh, and then fast forward a couple of years down the road, you've got the CEO of that company in Winnipeg signing the agreement to acquire Skip. And then and then the story of us growing Skip post-acquisition because, 
you know, we all stayed on and continued to grind for, you know, another three years after that. Right. No, I remember that part of the story. So in the, in the preamble, I talked about all the headlines that I've been able to find over the last few months about your new venture. And that's what I'd like to talk about now is Neo Financial. So at, at a very high level, um, you know, w- when did you guys get going? What, what's that goal? Cause I'm, I know you, I know you'll have this goal of what you're trying to do. Uh, let's share that with the listeners. Yeah. So Neo Financial, I mean, we, we left skip. Um, so Andrew left in 2018, I left in 2019 and, you know, I think we've always wanted to do things that were going to have an impact on millions of people. And we got a taste for that at Skip. You know, I'd be lying if I said that I knew that Skip was going to grow to be, you know, tens of millions of users and, you know, every single pocket of Canada. That was the dream. But, you know, I, I could never say that it was a guarantee. And but you get a, you kind of get a taste of that and you kind of realize what's possible. And you kind of see like, wow, this this kind of band of misfits that we put together can really build some really cool stuff. And, uh, and so as we were kind of thinking about what's the next thing, the idea of kind of just chilling out uh, and just relaxing was pretty terrifying. And so we felt like we had this window of opportunity to, to kind of capitalize on the momentum that we had built from Skip. And we were looking at these other industries and trying to figure out like, okay, well, what was the reason why Skip was successful? Um, how do we replicate that? Is it a different industry? And we were kind of part of the reason why I think Skip was successful. Obviously, the, the main reason was tons of incredible people doing brilliant work. Uh, another part of it, I think, is that the restaurant industry in general had really lagged behind the rest of these industries when it came to their adoption of technology. So we were kind of going through the industries and we looked at another one that had really fallen behind. And that the Canadian banking industry is one of the ones we we landed on. And if you look at the banking industry, I mean, customers in Canada, I mean, we're so used to these kind of dot-com-esque era interfaces and clunky, like I think TDs is called Easy Web, you know, easyweb.td.com or something. And, you know, all these things like you can tap and, and get on-demand streaming services. You can order an Uber. You can kind of get everything with a few clicks. And, and then, but then our banking is so clunky. So we had this idea of like, well, what if we kind of reimagine banking from the ground up? And and actually give Canadians a banking experience that they deserve. What if we could expand people's purchasing power by providing them with, you know, better financial products, make things more intuitive, make them as intuitive as everything else that they, they exist with online. And, and so that's really how we kind of thought up of the idea of Neil. You know, when, when we look at the industry of banking, I think all of us have been involved since, you know, I, re- I remember getting a bank account as a little kid. It was, you know, it's one of the things your parents take you in, you get a bank account, you stop using the piggy bank. Um, and it, it is very, um, it, it's a part of our daily lives, but there are a number of online banks that I could participate with. What's going to make Neo different? Well, it's funny you mentioned uh, parents, because if you think of all of the, the buying decisions that people make, how many buying decisions do you make just because your parents also did it? And the number one reason why Canadians bank with their current bank is that that was the one that their parents banked with. Yeah, that's that, num- that that's absolutely num- is true. <laughs> so it's like, you're not going to, you know, there's so many other buying decisions we make yet. The one that's probably one of the more important ones that we make, the one that really involves our own financial wellness 
we're kind of just choosing to settle. And so, you know, in terms of what we want to do is, I think what we want to do is provide Canadians with better options. I mean, why the heck can't we get high interest on our savings account? Like right now, I mean, the national average across the big five is like 0.01 of a percentage point. It's, uh, you know, it's very, very small. It may not be that exact number, but it's very, very small. The one question I have on that interest rate, Jeff, this is again one of the one of the headlines that I said in the intro. How how are you solving that issue? And and you've teamed up to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so Neo is really uh, in terms of what we are, we we're really a, a a technology layer that exists between consumers, retailers, and banks. So we've we've done the integrating in so that Canadians can get. CDIC insured up to $100,000 high interest savings accounts. Uh, we also teamed up with ATB to issue a next generation MasterCard. And what we do is we then partner up with small, medium, large businesses across Canada to give Canadians the highest amount of cash back possible that's personalized to every single person's spending habits. And it, so it's literally the only credit card, the only banking app that you can use that is actually going to get better the more you use it. And and people who have joined us early are already seeing some of the enhancements that we've rolled out. You, you can literally, you can you can link your other bank accounts together. You can transfer money with, with two taps. You can pay off your credit card bill with two taps. It, it's very, very easy to, to use. And we've removed a lot of the friction out of the banking experience and expanded people's purchasing power by giving them an incredibly high cash back amount. And I also saw a headline where it was in the Toronto Sun where you've teamed up with uh, Hudson's Bay, one of the most iconic Canadian brands. Uh, it's, it's a global brand now. Um, how did that come about? That's some great business development work, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, well, it, it, team effort, uh, George. So we, uh, yeah, so I think, I mean, we have a, like, so at Neo, we have a partnerships team. It's structured. Um, we have this kind of small, medium-sized uh, business team, and and they're working on um, marketplace style. So we're we're going and launching cities and 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 building these partnerships with local legends in every single city. Um, then we have an enterprise team, and they're focusing on kind of these larger retailers. And I mean, everyone's kind of trying to figure out how do you acquire, grow, and retain customers. That's that's kind of like what every business has to figure out. And so what Neo has been able to do, you know, with large retailers especially, is, is actually tap into a lot of the data that can allow these brands to know what does incremental business really look like for every single customer. Because that this whole idea of loyalty too, like it, when you think of loyalty, it's it's people just think of points and rewards programs. But what it really comes down to is, are they loyal in terms of how they engage with your brand? Are, are they spending the majority of their category spend with you as a business? And the truth is that most retailers have no idea. Right. Because they don't have access to the data to, in order to make that, that decision. And so what Neo has been able to do is really give them that full picture and say, now let's create an incentive structure that is going to drive incremental sales, truly incremental, to your business. And that's an example of what we've done with HBC and, and, and empowering the HBC credit card. So we're, we're sitting here, you've done one successful startup, 
grounded out with your team. You've had an exit. Then you come up with this idea. We're going to go into the banking business, which talk about Goliaths that you're going up against there. Um, and you're finding success. Um, I really would love to get into this story around the entrepreneurial spirit, because obviously you and your co-founders have this in spades. What would you, what would you attribute, you know, some of the key components to be in, you know, this level of an entrepreneur? Like if we were to reverse engineer it and say, this is where you need to be, to be like Jeff and the team that started Skip the Dishes and now are in Neo Financial. What, what lessons do you have for entrepreneurs or what disciplines or, or skill matrix do you need? Well, so there's a little bit, well, quite a bit to unpack there, George. And I think, so first, uh, I don't see us as being successful. I, I actually never even felt like at Skip that we had arrived or ever really felt like we were successful. Uh, and so even when we look at at Neo, you know, we have an amazing team, we have an incredible product, but like, I don't know if we're ever going to kind of look at ourselves like that. I think we, and maybe that's kind of like the the athlete in me that refuses to kind of settle because I feel like the moment that you look at yourself and say, hey, we're successful, what I'm afraid is that you start to relax because you feel like you've made it. You feel that that you don't need to maybe work as hard and you just have to do so many things right in order to really build something that's going to endure. And so we're always kind of looking at what, what do we need to be doing better? What do we need to be improving on? And on the second part of that, George, when you talked about entrepreneurship and you know, I, I feel like there's this kind of romanticism around entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs. And I think it's kind of, I think we need to dispel that myth a little bit because I think there's a lot of people who just look at that and say, hey, well, I just don't have it. It's not my DNA. Or hey, I wasn't that kid putting up the lemonade stand and hustling all the time when they were in grade school and high school. Um, like, I, I actually don't think I have an entrepreneurial bone in my body. My parents, did not they they were not entrepreneurial my my dad was a firefighter for 35 years my mom worked the same job for 30 years um to me it was just really about like what are your goals how do you want to have an impact like what kind of purpose do you want to have and i was just really really fortunate that i met a group of people who were really aligned with what my own ambitions were and that was to build something that was going to you know create a lot of value for a lot of people and hopefully have a positive impact on a lot of people so and to me, like you can do that in a, in a, I think it's easier to do it in a smaller company. I think it's easier to start a company and then you can run it the way you want to. Cause it's often pretty difficult if you get into a big company and, and that company has been around for a hundred years and they're, maybe they're going to be around for another hundred years and your ability to really move the needle there might be very difficult. So then you kind of have to be aligned with what they are. And I feel like more and more Canadians and especially younger people are not super aligned with the big corporate companies. Uh, and that's why I think part of why startups are starting to pick up a lot of steam is because people are like, hey, these are really purpose-driven companies that I'm aligned with. So in in your vision of this entrepreneurial spirit, we've talked about starting. We've talked about why you would want to start a business. But what happens when you got to sleep in your car and you got to go talk to some restaurants in Macklin, Saskatchewan or in uh, Crossfield, Alberta <laughs> or uh, Steinbeck, Manitoba? Um, you know, what? What, what would be your advice to these entrepreneurs? Because it's going to get hard, by the way. Let's just set proper expectations. This is not a cakewalk starting your own business. Well, I think it can be. I mean, it's never been easier to start a company than it is now. I think, you know, with AWS, with Shopify, with all these different tools, I mean, you can get set up pretty easily. I think it's maybe never been harder to build a 
global business or like a build a national business, that that's that's pretty tough. Um, but I think that you know I saw it as a pretty simple choice, George, because I think I kind of had a pretty clear idea about what my what my values and priorities were. And and I remember um, this is a quick story. I was at the 2012 London Olympics and I was with my teammate Matt. And I was helping him get ready for his, his competition. And and I, this is the biggest competition of his life. This is the biggest tournament I've ever been to. And I remember I was warming up with him and I asked him, how, how are you feeling? And he, and he was just like super relaxed. He's like, I feel great. I'm like, you're not nervous at all or anything. And I was probably like a bad friend, bad teammate, because I was probably, you know, making him nervous just by asking that. And he was like, no, he's like, he's like, I can go out there and whether I win or lose, the things that matter the most to me aren't going to change. You know, my, my wife is still going to love me. My parents are still going to love me. I'm not going to die. So my health is going to be fine. So he's like, at the end of the day, like kind of win or lose, I'm still, I'm fine. And that really hit home with me because this is a guy on the biggest moment of his entire life that he's been working his entire life to get to and is completely relaxed and focused on the mission because he knew what he, what was, what his priorities and values were. And so after the Olympics and when we were starting skip, I was thinking, okay, well, what do I really value? And I really value relationships. I really value my health. Um, and I really value learning. So at the end of the day, whether your business succeeds or fails, as long as you are able to achieve those things, then awesome. And if it ends up being successful, that's even better, but that, but that should be the byproduct of your actual values and your goals. So one of the things that I've noticed is you really speak about the relationships and the, and I'm sure that part of it's the business relationships that you've built. And I did want to ask you about, you had some pretty famous names in your last funding round. Um, how, how does that presentation go as a salesperson? I got to ask the question, like you, you pitched two of the biggest names in tech and got them to, to come on board in your funding round. How, how did that come about? Um, well, you know, so Toby was an investor in, in Skip the Dishes as well. So I don't want to, I don't want to like pat ourselves on the back too much, but, I, but I think that, you know, it, I don't feel like we had any secret sauce on that, George. So yeah. it's like, uh, you know, we had, you know, a pretty, I think, innovative business idea and we have a, a great team and we were basically looking for the right fit. I don't think we were, we're not like begging Peter Thiel to, to invest money in us. It was more just like, Hey, like, understanding what they really care about and like they, so Valar Ventures is, is who led our, our last round. Um, and they really are into FinTech. They kind of are, are lead investors in a lot of these global challenger banks, uh, huge FinTech companies globally. And we're like, Hey, like that's also something that we aspire to as well. And so it was really just a conversation. It wasn't really like a, a hard pitch and, and if, it, if I think if anything, we kind of wanted them to pitch us a little bit on why they should be the right investors for us. Um, and then you kind of go and you you kind of have the conversation with a bunch of folks and you figure out, okay, who is the best fit? And sometimes you have to say, hey, you know what, actually, we don't really think that you guys are the best fit for us. And, and you know, maybe we're not the best fit for you. And you're just kind of matching up those those needs and and those goals together. So, I mean, it's kind of a boring answer, but that that's kind of the truth. It was really just a kind of, having a conversation with the right people and, and finding out if it's going to be a fit or not. 
Well, the interesting thing to me is that, you know, there's a lot of sales that went into that where you were looking for a fit as much as the investor was looking for an organization to invest in that was a fit. So, you know, I, I think without saying it, you're saying that if there wasn't a fit there, you would have walked away from the table, whether it's Peter Thiel or not, or, you know, it's uh, it's Toby at, at Shopify or not. Like, it, it's got to be a fit, right? I, I probably have better war stories from the skip days because that was when we we really had no idea what we were doing. Um, and then we, we couldn't, like... There's not we couldn't do anything to get an investor in. I mean, I think throughout the whole history of Skip, we raised like a couple million bucks. So it was very, very we were doing a very poor job on that front um, because we didn't really know the process. We didn't really know understand venture capital and and we didn't understand like because sometimes people go to an investor and they're like, hey, we want to build a ten million dollar business, and it's like, okay, well. You know, and you know, v like VCs aren't looking for kind of a small exit. They're looking for billion dollar exits. They're looking for a hundred X returns. They're looking for people who have big ambitions. And, you know, even like I get people contact contacting us saying like, Hey, how do I build a company to sell it? And it's like, well, that if you're trying to tell people that you're building a company to sell it, like one, it's going to be hard to recruit really talented folks because you're just building this thing to get rich and they don't want to just work for you. So you get rich. Like they want to learn. They want to, build relationships with people. They want to have an impact and work with purpose. Um, and same with the investors. Like they, they want to see, they want to invest in founding teams that have a big vision and that have a strong team and a good plan on how they're going to do it. Well, I always find that when you and I have a conversation, I definitely learn something. And Jeff, I appreciate you taking some time out of building uh, Neo Financial to join us on the broadcast. It's long overdue. And uh, for our listeners, you know, that is the entrepreneurial spirit right there with Jeff and, and his team, Skip the Dishes. Just a, a fantastic story. Um, and thank you for, you know, giving us the right down and dirty, the living in the car and all those components. And, and the fact that it really isn't that glamorous a lot of times when you're grinding it out. And all the best to you and your teams in what you're building in Neo Financial. I definitely think that you're, you know, you guys have a track record of success. So it'll be interesting to see how far you take this in the weeks and months and years to come. Uh, appreciate you joining us today. Well, thank you, George. I'm grateful to you and to your team and, and huge fans on, of what you guys are doing there in Saskatoon. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you bringing me on. Well, I've known and admired uh, Jeff. I've admired him for a number of years and his colleagues that started Skip the Dishes. In fact, I think I might have used Skip the Dishes the other night to order sushi or something like that. Um, it, it's on my phone. It's an app. They started that thing from ground zero, like living in his car, calling on restaurants uh, to bring the 30,000 restaurants on board to that platform. And the, the interesting thing is you get that humble. You know, he's a very, very humble guy. Um, and you know, you sit down and you negotiate with Peter Thiel and you negotiate with the CEO now billionaire Shopify to be, f you know, the funding, uh, group for your new startup where you've got this idea where you're going to take Neo financial and compete against the big five banks. So Jeff has big dreams and Jeff is not afraid of the hard work, but I'll tell you a lot of learnings in that episode around what you need to do 
to be an entrepreneur. And I don't care if you're doing something like starting Skip the Dishes, which is now a couple billion dollar in revenue company, or you're trying to disrupt banking, or you're just trying to build a business to feed your kids in a small market. That entrepreneurial spirit and learning from folks like Jeff who've been there, done that, and you'll see what he talks about. He talks about the mission. He talks about the fact that they woke up every day to run a good business and not necessarily the exit and the money. And he's trying to help people. Like he wants to change the way that people do things. And haven't I heard a couple of times in there, he wants to have an impact on millions of people. His whole reason for doing what he's doing is not necessarily what you hear when you talk to a startup person. Sometimes startup people are like, yeah, I'm going to make millions of dollars and I'm going to sell the thing. And that's not where he's going with this. Um, I, I think you have to have an exit. I think you have to think about valuation. I think you have to think about building a good business. But when you listen to Jeff and his view of the entrepreneurial spirit, it's around what are you going to do when things get hard? What are you going to do when you want to quit? Is it worth it? What, how can you make an impact? How can you do it with a group of people that you like working with? He talks a lot about his co-founders and the folks that he's involved in these journeys with. So a whole different view, I don't necessarily think it's that different because I hear it from a lot of startup founders, but for those of you that are out there running your business with that entrepreneurial mindset, I, I don't think you can get enough entrepreneurial leaders coming in and, and giving you advice and on this episode of those lessons that he has learned in being a co-founder and you know the hard work that is involved and maybe some of the things that just aren't all that glamorous about being involved in a startup on a day-to-day basis and, and that battle and, and the fun behind it. Um, I really hope you appreciate those lessons. I, I learned something from Jeff every time that I talked to him. It was great having him on the show today. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. You can pretty much get our podcast anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. And thanks to producer Colleen and the team for making that happen. And we'd love to get your feedback. And we'd love to have you as a follower of the Conquer Local Podcast on our social media channels. My name is George Leith. Thanks for joining us. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local Podcast presented by Vendasta. Guest discovery and scheduling by Jacob Soley and Carissa Clausen. Marketing by Rory Lawford, Aaron Shawaga, Nicole Lozon, and Trent Walker. Produced by Colleen McGrath. Executive producers Brendan King and George Leith. Recorded and mixed at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.